What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we are joined by Andrew D'Angelo. You'll know him from co-founding uh, The Last Prisoner Project and Harborside. We're going to be speaking with him in a few minutes, so you're going to want to stick around. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Miggy and Tom, what's going on in the news this week? We made it to Wednesday. We made it to Wednesday. That's how I know that there's only six days left until we we, we might not know who won the presidency this time next show. I tell you. Now we have a Trump guy. He'll just sue us all the way to fucking next year. Oh, yeah. Well, continue to short that market, everybody, because it might still go down for a bit. But there was some there's some OK news going on in this. Uh, the best chart that I saw lately has to do with the uh, money raised in. Uh, a ratio of money raised in favor of legalization versus against legalization in the various states that are going to vote on it here next Tuesday. And it's, what do you think the ratio is? How much to one? Uh, shoot. Well, I mean, after what, a hundred years, you know, it's already been what a billion dollars against the plant and only a hundred thousand on the, on the uh, uh, activist side, but the actual answer is 36 to one in favor. And so like for every dollar that was spent on advertising for uh, the plant for or against this election season, $36 spent for $1 spent against. So uh, if, if that kind of money doesn't help legalization sweep through all these States, I don't know what will. Well, you know, Chuck Schumer said that if they get it, that's going to be a priority for them. Well, there you go. That's right. There's a lot of seats. There's about 12 in that uh, that are in play regarding if they're going to be red or blue. And so if the Democrats take the Senate and imagine if the Judiciary Committee's uh, or was it the Judiciary, the Banking Committee, Mike Crapo, remember how he just totally gutted the Safe Banking Act? Imagine if that's not his job anymore. That would be awesome. You know, yeah, being, being an activist for this so long, dude, you just have these dreams of like utopia of like Willy Wonka weed land. But again, it's politics and we're just kind of like waiting to see what happens, like who sues who. Uh, yeah, you know, there's ways to do it. I mean, like uh, Missouri, for example, is, is opening uh, up their actual sales after voting on it for two years. And so that was kind of a cluster. But now they're starting to have sales and Missouri officials are predicting a recreational marijuana legalization vote in 2022. They almost had it on the ballot this year, but COVID came up pretty hard. Uh, this spring, and that really shut down their ability to uh, to get all the petitions signed that they need. And so I don't know if there's going to be any type of digital updates to petition signing or what. That's one of the hard parts about getting on the ballot. Or after you successfully get some cannabis on the ballot, uh, then suddenly the ballot rules to get on are, are changed in the next uh, you know legislative session that they have, like they did, I think, in like Vermont or Arkansas, where it got on the ballot, they weren't going to vote on it, and they're like, okay, let's make it a much harder to get on the ballot. It's too easy to legalize weed. It's too easy to listen to the will of the people. And that's the problem, too, with Missouri. I mean, it's such a shit show. They have medical right now. At the same time, uh, a friend of mine, Adela Wisdom, who's a Missouri, resi a Missouri resident, a uh, longtime cannabis activist. I mean, here's her testifying in San Diego, right? Low-hanging fruit when it comes to, like, uh, a person that you would be a suspect, right? They're using freaking National Guard helicopters surveying her backyard, and she's presently going through this in Missouri uh, 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 charges for her medical grow. It's a shit show. So fingers crossed. Yeah, the 
the the power of good takes over. But uh, yeah, and then people email me all the time because they go way over their plant limits, or they think that anybody can grow hemp because they think that anybody can grow hemp. And I'm like, no, you need a license to do it. That's very often how it works. I mean, it's like, but but it was it's it's legal now. Like I get that. That doesn't mean like magically regulations are gone. Yeah. It means that they've made it not a crime to be doing, but not in the way that you did it. So like look at the law and comply with it. That's something that, you know, we've been saying that a lot on this show, but it doesn't matter. Like we still get dinged with um, reports. So we have no idea how many of the feds are actually watching on the program to be like, Hey, stop them from changing those laws. We have to protect our phony baloney jobs. Dude, in the end, like the whole reason why I do fucking activism is it's just because like on a whole, I'm not the best person in the world, but I don't deserve to be in jail. Like the, no, <laughs> the worst thing I'm doing is smoking weed. And that's not the worst thing you're doing. I will well, guarantee if you've been to McDonald's today, yeah. smoking weed is not the worst thing you've done. You know, um, you know what I mean, though. but um, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I'm having a grape soda right now. Like granted, it's it's sweetened with stevia. It's called a Zevia grape soda. So I assume that it's better for me. But this might be the worst thing I do to myself all day. You know, speaking of I mean, did you see this new stamp they released out here? Drug free stamp forever. No. Like, does that include sugar? Does that include caffeine? What about oxygen? Does that include oxygen? Is oxygen yet classified as a drug? How about my, my beer that I drink every night? I mean... Yeah, well, that's ethanol. No, that's all natural. Wait, how come that is all natural? Taking the process of, of sugars and using yeast to turn them into alcohols, that's all natural. But a plant, like, you know, skipping all that processing and just going directly to the plant and growing that, that's a drug? Are yeah. you kidding me? Cannabis people are just people who just don't want to go to jail. Period. Well, I think it's I think it's starting to break, you know, because uh, even states like Indiana are now having some reports. So there was a, a actual good news regarding cannabis out of Indiana, which really never happens. But their attorney general, it's attorney general candidate. Now oh, that's that's what it probably means. It's only the candidate. It's not actually the attorney general, but their attorney general candidate, Weisenfall, calls on Indiana to legalize marijuana. So I guess uh, next week we'll be reading about how uh, Democratic Indiana attorney general candidate Jonathan Weisenfall has lost the race for <laughs> uh, attorney so. general in Indiana. What's that? Indiana just, the USDA just approved commercial hemp growing. So yeah, but you don't, yeah, you see that that's a scam. And, I mean, and it's, it's, it's not a scam, but like essentially it's a scam in my opinion, because the USDA is only giving permission to states that have said that they can use the USDA's, uh, you know, guidance guidelines that they came out with uh, last thanks not last thanksgiving last halloween a year ago like the the usda took this huge shit on the cbd industry and then they re-injected the dea into um uh, a regulation to a certain extent because they made them uh, tied into if stuff would test hot and that goes against what the statute has said you see the usda is supposed to be regulating it it is no longer a controlled substance by the way and so therefore the dea has no authority to actually be in here uh mucking around and getting the usda's way but unfortunately the, the law and order republicans uh and sonny purdue reinserted the dea into the uh the testing and the uh th those types of phases but there's some pending litigation going on that I'd, I'd love to report on. I'm doing some other stuff. And so I'll report on that litigation in a bit. You know, uh, with that being said about, because these are arbitrary numbers, right? What makes hemp? What makes THC? What makes marijuana? No, so they, uh, they, are, they, they don't necessarily have to be arbitrary, but according to the laws as we have them right now, yes, the legal definitions completely made up. But the, the, the hard part for me, 
overall as an American is like in, as the states we're not unified, right? Like Jay Z's new pot uh, ad thing is fucking brilliant. He's parking no, no. Uh, digital ads on border lines of states. On one side it says, "Here's legal cannabis. Enjoy responsibly." On the other side it says, "Hey, don't go to jail." Well, <laughs> the that's, that's literally the way that you want to do it. I mean, like I've seen the the pro formas for uh, dispensaries when they're on the borders of those types of states. For example, like in Indiana. So if I was going to try to get a license, I'd pr- be looking at like Danville, Illinois. Uh, border of Iowa, border of Wisconsin, uh, not necessarily the border of Missouri, because they'll probably go legal, but then definitely the border of Kentucky. Uh, those types of states right there would be wonderful, or the, that that area. And so like, Jay-Z's not stupid, and he's a great businessman. So he probably looked at like where the places are making money, and he's like, I'll buy these licenses. You know, I, I mean, depending on what the licenses are, you know, again, like Oklahoma, you don't really need a license, right? No, no, you need a license, but you can get it. It's it's an open market versus a limited market. Mm-hmm. And so in there's a a lot of the cannabis industry is all in favor of limited markets because if there's a limited market, there's higher profits, it's greater control, but then of course there's it's it's less likely to put the black market out. Or I'm sorry, the traditional market, the legacy market out of business, the untaxed market. They'll probably just continue to operate because you've effectively barred them or any of them from getting in. But, hey, they could be hired as a grower. It's like, great. So you want me to not be a businessman. You want me to always be an employee for Cresco. And like I can't have my own shop and and raise my own genetics. And and that that sucks. But that's the way that a lot of states have set that up. Illinois is one of them. Uh, for right now. I mean, like maybe craft grower licenses will get handed out, but the craft grower license, like what? You got that $10 million? All right, let's get into this. Well, and then, you know, we've talked before that 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 entry barrier is so high. And I think part of like California's messed up legacy, everybody had this hippie dream that California was going to get it right, you know? Uh, Name one time a hippie dream has ever come true. Well, we are (laughs) semi-legal. But... (laughs) You know, but you know, our guest today, he had his article talking about Prop 64 and what needs to be reformed. And I think it'd be cool to hear his perspective on what is needs to be fixed. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, the audience? I'm Andrew D'Angelo, currently running my nonprofit as treasurer of the board, the Last Prisoner Project. That's the thing I'm most excited about. I'm also a co-founder of Harborside and younger brother of Steve D'Angelo. So a lot of people know me in, in those capacities, but I don't, I, I don't work for Harborside anymore. I've exited that uh, organization and, and, you know, other than working on social justice, just, you know, out here being, uh, building the industry as a consultant and strategic advisor and just trying to help some of these small businesses and some of these legacy businesses and some of these, you know, black and brown and women and queer owned businesses. So yeah, I'm in the trenches with those folks trying to make sure that our ecosystem is diverse and has balance. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for doing that. How long have you been in the, you I mean, you can go back to the legacy market experience if you want. How long have you been in the industry? Well, I'm 53. I sold my first bag of weed when I was 15. So all the way back, 38 years. Um, nice. Uh, so I was in the legacy market with my brother Steve for a long, long time, and you know, sort of in that same tradition um, of oh. boys coming from me. 
I think yeah, you, yeah, we might have had a small mic issue, but I think okay. you've uh, ironed it out. Are we okay? All right, great. There you um, go. Um, uh, but anyway, you know, we, we similar in the tradition of Dennis Perone and some of the other um, pioneers that we're standing on the shoulders of. Steve and I always took our money that we made in cannabis and tried to change the law. Yes. And, and um, so that first started in 1992 in the city of San Francisco with Dennis and the medical program. Then we got Prop 215 done in California when California still was a pioneer. And the, yeah. doing, and the hippies were right, Tom. They were right. I know. Like, the hippies have always been right. I'm, not, I'm just saying their, tre- their dreams often don't come true. I'm not saying that they are wrong. Well, that, one, <laughs> that, that one actually did come true. Yeah. For the Prop 215 framework, particularly once Gary Brown did something that a lot of us didn't like at first, but ended up being a really smart move, which that was make that framework nonprofit. And, of yeah. course, the... Uh, the leaders in Sacramento were too afraid to touch it. And most towns and municipalities in California are too afraid to touch it. So it created a gray market that was very vibrant for small businesses. And the Harborside, we supported so many small businesses that are gone now in the Prop 64 framework. Small little companies where yeah. people made more money than they ever made in their life. They send their kids to private school. They bought their own homes. They're social, economic life um, improved greatly. They were spending in the community and and we had 2,000 dispensaries in California, some licensed a lot, not problems with, with areas that didn't license them, of course, um, but there was a lot more access than, than, than there is now. So, 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 um, yeah, that is a big argument is like medical versus recreational, like here in Washington, that's where I'm at. And, uh, uh Russ Bellevue, man, he, he was always like, you know, you're just being stingy because you want only the medical people. To be. I'm like, no, dude, I just don't want cops involved. Like, like we had a free capitalistic market here at one time and now the cops well, are look, I mean, what the big lesson everywhere and i talk about this in 64 we had to end prohibition we had to make all kinds of deals with the devil to do that we lost prop 19 in 2010 in california and the feds kicked our rear ends man yeah you guys still had bus in 2010 like we we uh often talk and and uh miggy's wearing a freelance glory shirt right now aren't you yeah yeah, 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 and so like that was a 2011 bus. I mean, there were still bus going on. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of dispensaries were either shut down by violent um, math and grads or just uh, um, forfeiture letters. You know about the forfeiture letters, Tom. You know about that. And it was very effective until Harborside said, "Guess what, federal government? We're going to fight the forfeiture action because we knew we had written our lease right." Right. Oh, nice. All right. We knew we written our lease right and the state courts would not rule against us. And the feds thought they would. Um, and they were arrogant as usual. And they didn't as usual. Work, and they didn't read. They didn't even read the lease. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, as a former bank lawyer, uh, it's the closest I get to being a prosecutor. They usually win. And so, like, it was OK. And some litigators are they're that type of personality type where they're competitive, but they hate losing. So they usually pick to one of those types of places where they can work, where they usually win because yeah. like they either work for the van or they work for the bank. 
yeah, pretty much the same thing. And yeah. um, and so yeah, I've been there, and and I've had to deal with them. I'm much happier being more of a, a just a business lawyer for cannabis companies and explaining to them, no, 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 this is going to get you very sued. That might get you sued in a way that you can you know negotiate with that suit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, good. I, we had to end prohibition. We had to cut all these deals with the devil. Lots of states had to do that. All Illinois had to do it, yeah. You know, but the, the mainstream Democratic Party has not been helpful. Their nope. stakeholders are, 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 they've been very unreliable at best. Um, and, and, you know, of course, I'm a Biden person. We've got to do a blue wave, and I support the election, and, you know, and let's get him, let's get him in office. Right. <laughs> Let's get, let's get let's get a new USDA chief in there. Let's yeah, get a new I mean, DEA chief. Yeah, new IRS chief. Yeah. Right. Um, um, uh, but you know, there's a lot of work we have to do once we do win the election to to get you know all those folks over over to fix these frameworks. Like I talk about yeah, in right. article 64, we have to fix it. We have a moral obligation to fix it. And you talked about the suits a minute ago and making sure the suits and the stoners. I'm writing about this, trying to build a bridge between these these two groups. The suits have to understand they can't have it all. That's they right. Can't have it all, okay? Yeah. We're not greedy people, man. I no, don't no, no. Let me tell you how the suits think, though. Donald Trump. All right, that is essentially the suit line. That is that mentality of. We always win, even if we're going to lose. How did we win? Like, you know, how does this benefit me? How do I like justify this to my shareholders? And it's just more, 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 more. And well, that's why we have to get them all stoned. <laughs> well, that's why we have to write in our in our operating agreements and our, our shareholder agreements. It's like, hey, how come it doesn't say fuck everybody and go for all the money? Well, we've actually put that into our governing documents because we know how you guys are. And so uh, we were trying yeah. to contract around that greed. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a two way street. There's, there's tendencies we have that probably need some checks and balances around them. I'm not naive to that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so let's build a bridge, man. And, and let's get them stoned so they're not a greedy all the time. And they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> it is about more than money. Yes. Being that hippie ethos, um, uh, you know, generosity feels good Um, and and sharing actually feels good and creating ecosystems where poor working class people, doesn't matter what the color of their skin is, has a shot, has some kind of shot in our world that they can believe in and have hope in. Right. It's too much to ask, not just in the cannabis industry, but all the industries. And can't we serve as a model for that? Shouldn't we? We're all smoking weed. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, and of course, I got to get the suits smoking more THC nine and 10, man. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and, and, and but I think there's ways for us to come together because our adversaries are the same. Bad public policy, same. Bad yeah. taxation, same. Uh, racism and 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 people of color only only owning four percent of this industry is not good for them either, man. It is not okay, yeah. and because the kids are not uh, the, the, the young people today, I I see a revolution in the way they're going to buy products. It it's it's over, okay, it's yeah. over. Um, and so I see, I I want to build these bridges. I know you guys do that too on your show. You're you're. <laughs> yeah, <We> try. <laughs> so, Andrew, Andrew, do you think like in the early days of uh, of uh, medical? So one of my uh, uh, 
proud moments is I helped get signatures for Prop 215. Oh, me too, man. But then I went to the I Navy, and I never experienced California legalization. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of wild. But then I came out here to Washington and eventually experienced. But in the early days, one of the 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 like we we were all still fighting these stigmas and demonizations and the whole nonprofit thing, right? Where it's like, hey, man, you're supposed to. I mean, it is medicine, and we do give it to people. Like good growers do uh, give extra, but they're also like you said, allowed to pay their bills, send their kids to private school, uh, uh, have nice things overall. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, there was more charity. There was by far more charity in the ecosystem, and more people helping each other out, donating. Maybe it took us three years in Sacramento just to get the compassionate Dennis Mar Dennis Perone Brownie married compassionate bill through Sacramento, and even That's Sacramento. Sacramento's like some kind of I don't know. It's it, they have one party rule, and we still can't get it done, Tom. I, I, mm. I, I it's it's the I, I don't understand it. I had to stop. That's why I started Last Prisoner Project. I just had to walk away from it because it was just. Too frustrating. I spent three years up there trying to fix 64. Mm. Pretty heavy capacity. I was the vice president of the board of directors of the oh. California Cannabis Industry Association, which I founded that organization. You know, it was hard for me to walk away from that responsibility, but I'm just not going to continue to beat my head against the wall, be transparent with people, be collaborative with people, extend my trust to them tore them through my facilities right. and then have them ring my bell um, uh, the way they have with the, yeah. with the actors and the regulations. It's just been, frankly, it just preserves the traditional market. You've just made it impossible to go legit or to be profitable when you go legit. Oh, no. uh, so yeah. what am I supposed to do? The same dang thing I've been doing. Yeah. And, and California is probably the poster child of that, that, dynamic that's happening everywhere. Massachusetts, two markets. Illinois, two markets. Yeah. Just reached out to me from Michigan. He's a grower. He's like, all oh, the weed in the dispensary stuck, man. I grow great weed, but I have a small little garden. I can't get in and the licensing and the this and the that. Yeah. And, and they have a micro grower license. Like you can get a 500 plant license there. It doesn't mean it's free, but at least it's there and you can right. get it. Yeah. Some states don't even have that. We don't even have that in Illinois. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the one we have in California is terrible. It's not designed well, and 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 and, and it's confusing, right? So, so <laughs> the one if you want a micro business license application, one page, maybe even a postcard. It, is, it should it should require that much more than that. Yeah, especially compared to the early days, like uh, to before this interview, Andrew, because I you know I know, obviously I know your brother, but I didn't know you, and then I, so I, I did a little research and I watched Weed Wars. And uh, it brought me back to the day because people I watched the episode where uh, uh, one of your uh, uh, workers uh, actually took a pound from you, which was an issue. Like I've seen that out here, too, where people will steal pounds when you're surrounded by a bunch of stuff. People will be opportunistic or whatever. But it reminded me because you had local growers bring you guys bags of weed and they were inspecting it, which how it should be done before you put your name on there or whatever and push it to the public. And uh, it was a beautiful sight to see because that's how it used to be done. Local growers would bring it and have a chance to pay their bills. If, if well, you're we, we did, they had to pass a lab test with us. But um, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, look, um, uh, the the I think we're there are some cool nonprofit ma models happening in global cannabis still. The the ones in America have gotten trashed. I hope they'll come back. Okay, I hope mm -hmm. they'll come back. I think there's a place for them, particularly on consumption. Um, but um, 
Spain's got these wonderful associations. We're seeing that in Chile and Latin America a little bit. Um, I, I went and visited a couple gray area ones in Mexico and it's, it feels like San Francisco in 1998 or, or, or 1999. It feels just, and in Spain, they're nice. I mean, these are sophisticated clubs. They have coffees. They have, it's more like an Amsterdam style experience, but even nicer, you know, not as commercial. It's nonprofit, right? So you don't have the Heineken sign and the neon light and the pinball right. and this and that. It's just chill, man. And people are in there working on their laptops, smoking. You know, of course, they mix the tobacco in with the. Yeah, they're crazy out there. <laughs> they love that tobacco. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> they think I'm crazy because I don't put the tobacco. Yeah. Um, uh, You're just smoking the flower? What's wrong? It's so strong. Yeah. Um, uh, but I love I love what's happening there. Right. And 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 I think our, our community, I'm, I'm encouraging people who. You know, the global domination thing is really not that much fun and it's seductive. A lot of people in our community, like you mentioned a minute ago, steal that pound, peel the thing off our employee, you know, this sense of entitlement, this sense of whatever it is, or you're just this dominant culture has put this greed and this consumerism inside of you. And you just, it's all right there, you know? Um, um, so, so. <laughs> we just, we just, it, we have to transcend those things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, and it gets really difficult because the higher you put up that barrier to entry, where there's really no reason why somebody can't grow the weed, you know, at, at their expense. Uh, I mean, you, people can open up a restaurant. I mean, and we have the health inspector. People do get sick sometimes, but that's a rarity, you know. And then there's regulations. Oh, you violated that. That's a fine. And then you have to test the product. You could do that with weed. They've yeah. been doing it for decades. If and you know, it's like suddenly in these high tech farms where the price per pound goes up to like 800 bucks a pound. And then, the, you know, and then nobody can get a license. And then the security is off the charts. And then it's all in cash. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. so you have to no bank accounts. So now you're, you're raising money to build this monstrosity that you probably uh, put in your application. So now it's a condition, it's obligation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the only place you can find financing is at 17%. If you're lucky. Um, yeah. Right. It's, it's a very hard moment right now, isn't it? In legal cannabis in the, in the United States, even Canada's got uh, their own shit show going on mm -hmm. up there. Um, uh, prohibition 2.0. I really worry about that. You know, I don't talk about that in the 64 article. Um, but, uh, I do worry about that. Right. Um, um, and yeah, there are legitimate gangs of violent criminals knocking off cannabis companies in California when those, when, when the social unrest happened, social unrest that was long overdue to ha uh, uh, happen all, all across the country, but there were roving, violent gangs of criminals knocking off these, these businesses. Um, oh, and, yeah. and, and were the police there for us? Were the police um, protecting the, these businesses? No. Um, uh, not that they were protecting any of the businesses all that good. Um, but uh, yeah, we pay all this damn money for taxes that we go into debt trillions of dollars. Didn't we buy anything? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, nothing. I could, we could, you know, our, we got smashed up one night and, and we couldn't even get them to come do a report. I don't think, you know, I, we couldn't even get a report um, for the insurance company. So, so talk I think about an entitlement complex. Well, let's talk about even in, in parts of California, the cops are stealing product from when they do a raid. Like that one. Well, in Santa we Clara. Some of that footage, right. That was, yeah. Terrible. 
Oh my goodness! I mean, the, the, how are we protected when you're just being a? You want to just be a citizen? Left the f alone. That's all well, you want to. And that's why I say it's such a hard time for our community, right? Because if you're in the legal market, it's it's really hard right now. And even if you're in the legacy market, it's hard because you know. Um, Enforcement starting to happen and be funded in California, and and you know, um, cops aren't very good at distinguishing between a small grower trying to grind out a living and you know perhaps something more organized and criminal in nature. Well, I mean, was it really criminal? How criminal is it? I mean, unless it's like a cartel from Mexico, no, it's, 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 it's American. It's, 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 it's happening. Well, I mean, we have we have in our forests here in California, we have terrible problems with 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 bigger. Yeah, organized operations. But again, you're right. It's a very small percentage of the total, especially. And it's what you're right. And it would be gone if the federal law changed. So suddenly this demand isn't through the yin yang roof for uh, Humboldt County outdoor. And that, well, I mean, it still will be because just like Bordeaux, the, Humboldt's going to command an appellation in cannabis for as long as I and all of us are alive. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be illicit. And so, like, you're not going to have this criminal incentive that's going to be there. Sure, it's expensive to own a winery. And sure, it'll be expensive to own a cannabis farm in Humboldt. But it doesn't mean that they're all going to be, you know, ready to kill your family and steal your dog. No, I mean, look, we just got to create frameworks that allow people who want to have a small little business to have a small little business. And it, it, it yep. shouldn't be an existential event for them to do that. Pennsylvania. Um, the microgrower license out of Pennsylvania. It's 150 plants. That would be approximately a 500 square foot greenhouse kind of space, you know, or, or convertible indoor. That's It's enough plants that you're going to be pulling down 20-ish pounds every month or so. And then uh, that is an actual small business. And, and tending 150 plants, that's still is, that's a lot of girls to watch after, you know? Uh, I, and again, you know, even if it was a not-for-profit model that's kind of in that part of the supply chain or at least the option for it or associations or co-ops that would link those things together so they can compete. Right. Right. Um, because again, we, we have to worry about sort of um, predatory behavior. Or oh, Columbia, $2 a gram. Or, or competitive um, um, constraints. Right. That, 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 that all the more reason we have to, you know, I'm part of the um, the group that's working on interstate compacts. Mm -hmm. um, Adam Smith's group out of Oregon. Um, um, you know about that whole movement? I um, kind of heard it a little bit, but not uh, like when Oregon, Nevada, because that would be a huge uh, right there. Well, they need the only state that's passed it is Oregon. Mm -hmm. California again. Sacramento failed to do it uh, this year. Uh, again, you know, uh, California is the reddest blue state I've ever heard of. It's like always going to vote for the Democrat. And then you see how fractured it is when it comes to a real hippie liberal issue, you know, cannabis, yeah, which really isn't that liberal of a hippie issue. But still, it goes back to that this curious problem with the two major political parties. We're polling very good as an issue. And yet both political parties are either antagonistic or terrified of us you know and or just don't know what to do with us you know the democrats are just like ah, ah, ah. which is which is crazy because i mean how many more people need to be arrested or or or, or killed like philando castillo over to smell of weed or how many more kids need to be brought up and showing that this is medicine like you worked with jason high at the same time uh cash or uh, 
uh, what was it? Jason, uh, the gentleman with his baby, uh, his son, uh, Jason David, Jason mm -hmm. David, because at the same time, Cashy Hyde was going on in Montana. Oh, yeah, Cashy, man, I, I yeah, dad. and yeah, I, I met his dad, and we worked together with his dad, and he had his foundation. He started what a terrible, sad, terrible story. I saw their whole movie they did, and everything. Oh yeah, but it seemed like at the time there was like him. Uh, and then even Charlotte came out a year later, yeah. you know, RIP. But all these kids were coming out at the same time getting, like, help, you know. And they're like, oh, look, no, it's medicine. Well, but what was great about the children was it reminded me of what we did with the HIV patients for the for 215. Um, and once, once we hit people in the heart with these stories, um, it's really hard to be against cannabis, you yeah. know. The problem we had for so many years was we were trying to make intellectual arguments. No, no. It, it, on the hierarchy of true decisions, intellectual, you never use. The heart, you can use. The pocketbook, yeah. you can use. Well, the pocketbook, yes. You know. and, and so if you can appeal to the heart or the pocketbook, do it every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. You'll find well, nerds, uh, but they're sporadic. Nerds are sporadically placed. Well, what I like about the heart is it's authentic, whereas the pocketbook can be um, um, used for all kinds of different good yeah. um, um, uh, and And, you know, we're trying to get people to just, one, support ending prohibition, and two, will you just let us have a dispensary in your neighborhood, please? Seriously. Those are really the two hurdles we're trying and, to and we don't want it to be like a liquor yeah. store god damn it we want it to be like a bar and so like you can go there and be like steve what's up phil and like you know those people can have fun and they could play a game smoke some herb be like oh you got that new uh crossing and then talk and that's when you can find the weed nerds because they'll be the ones talking about terpenes and 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 <laughs> kind of hating on some weed because they, they're going to be snobs, but that's all right. That's there's wine snobs and we aren't going to have real good weed and real good weed snobs until you actually have that. And it's a thing just as accepted as all those bars in your neighborhood. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the, the stigma really needs to, to, to get lower. Um, so it's one reason I still do as much work telling stories and, well, did you guys see this article uh, that came out? It's uh, quit treating sober drivers like drunk drivers. So apparently some study says uh, it was the Chicago Sun-Times that uh, uh, we're actually better off than the alcoholics. Who Go figure. Well, you've seen those videos of the test, right? The driving test. Yeah. You know? And it's and even when you people are pretty stoned, the worst that happens is they just drive really slow. Yeah, right? I mean that joke was told by Cheech and Chong in 1978, where they smoked that big Bob Marley joint, which I do not recommend on the highway, by the way. <laughs> how did that joke end? I think we're stopped, and that's how it ended because yeah. they got so high they eventually pulled themselves over. Now they had a little comic element where they're stuck on the like the right, know, yeah, yeah, the highway, the center of the highway, next to the <laughs> sign or something. <laughs> it was still an irresponsible use. Don't get me wrong; the use was irresponsible. No, but it's a comedic yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and you know and and you know, uh, unfortunately, we've been trying to shake that stereotype ever since a little bit. True. Uh, and those those guys were were just trying to celebrate cannabis in their own uh, at, at that time, you know, yeah. it was a much different time. 
and but they were also demonstrating. I mean, it was a funny joke as well because it was true. It's like, no, guys, no. if you had literal personal right. knowledge of this, you would know because you've gotten high and then driven. Uh, yeah. that it is completely different than when you get drunk and then drive. Yeah, and there's the big yeah. secret, you know. We've all been a little too stoned and we pulled over for a couple hours and just waited it out, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that's the responsible thing to do. Nowadays, you don't even have to, you know, with ride share and everything. True. Oh, yeah. No. Well, yeah, if you're in the civilization. But yeah. uh, some of us still live in the farms. And, uh, you yeah. know, but then it's it's not so bad. Uh, and then it is kind of interesting, though, that the science is bearing out that this stuff is way less harmful than alcohol on your motor systems and, and, and your functionality. But I bet when this this, you know, hypothetical cannabis lounge was one day coming to your your town, cops will probably pull people over for a little while as they leave because they know they oh, got yeah. you. Oh, maybe longer than a little while. Yeah. Um, 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 but, you know, it's going to take little you know every single day you know but Andrew, you no sky falls upon the heads of the good people of mayberry mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know they'll be okay with the you know yeah. one time it was you weren't allowed to have a record store oh gosh <laughs> that's right i forgot the 1980s was basically uh you know uh, uh, was loosely based on a documentary called footloose where you can ban dancing from an entire town yeah, that movie came out when I was in high school, uh, in the eighth. So it, it was a documentary, though. Like that city really banned dancing, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it was a true story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Was it in Indiana? It might have been in Indiana. It had to have been in Indiana. Indiana probably bans dancing every other year. You know? <laughs> oh my god! And then they they mandate popcorn sales because they were Orville Redenbacher. You know. And then, of course, oh. Eli Lilly, uh, they do a lot of pharmaceutical work. In, and, you know, that's the pharmaceutical industry is a, is a thorny one in the sense that it, it stinks. But then at the same time, it's kind of saving lives in some applications, but it can be abused like anything else, you know? Yeah, well, that's a big subject on its own, single mm -hmm. molecule pharmacology. But, um, you know, I, what, what, what's kind of alarming about the pharmaceutical industry is the Americans are 4% of the global population, but we consume 75% of the pharmaceutical. Oh, wow. See, it's that profit oh, motive again. And so, like, you have to be really careful with the profit motive because it works really well. And so, like, you kind of have to rein that in. What's that? With opioids, yeah. Terrible. Cheeseburgers, heart attacks, you know. Yeah. The doctor has – the doctor doesn't get paid – to not cut you open because you were a vegan, you know, <laughs> the doctor gets paid to cut you open because, Oh my gosh, let me show you how your new vent will work or your stent or your new heart. This is going to all be technological and I'll save your life. You'll be eating cheeseburgers in no time. Can you imagine if cannabis was like an option, just a, your first option for holistic wellness everywhere? Like if everybody in every state could just be like, yo, let me just try this cannabis thing first. Cause I think as we were talking before, Andrew, how the, the heart and the mind, like, it's one thing when you hear grown people say, look, cannabis cures cancer, and, and you hear adults say this kind of stuff, but adults are jerks. But when you see kids actually doing, getting well, when I first started writing and, and doing activism, I had a gentleman, he uh, sent me a video of him in a wheelchair, and then he smoked, and then he, he was able to stand up. I think he had uh, MS or something. Yeah. But, you know, when I was starting just to get into this, I, I it's hard to like, yeah, it cures cancer. Yeah, it does this, does that. Really, if it did all this, why is it illegal? 
Because I, it does all those things. Exactly. <laughs> I can't well, save your life unless you have a problem. If I give you this, all your problems drop off. I have Mercedes payments. Do you have any well, idea how expensive my ex-wife is? Plant medicine got heavily disrupted by the Harrison Narcotics Act and, and then, of course, um, uh, by the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Harry J. Anslinger had a lot of connections to the pharmaceutical industry, a lot of support uh, from the pharmaceutical industry, particularly in the 50s. Yeah. Um, when he launched his second war on jazz and jazz musician and black people, brown people, basically. And then they started feeding him junk. And by junk, I mean heroin. Well, yeah. And, you know, th those neighborhoods have been flooded with highly addictive compounds for a while now. And, uh, you know, they're going to say Fox News. No, but Fox News is a highly addictive compound for some people. It really dials in. Like Fox News tickles about one out of every three Americans in such a way that they get mesmerized by it. It is. Like you, you, you've seen people watch Fox News when they're into it, right? Did you see the Omaha? Um, yeah, I have because, you know, yeah. I don't have a lot of ex uh, of. of, of people in my world or life that that watch that but there are there are some and i've, I've observed that sort of drone-like quality that comes a, across folks uh and just this kind of this righteousness kind of the righteousness we feel when we're talking about all these frameworks and legalization and yeah it should be accessible to everybody <laughs> uh, they're just as fervent right right and, and that's why um you know, the prohibition, I, I was so glad to hear the, your statistic at the beginning of the show, 36 to one on the, on the spending for, you know, these initiatives, five States, I think were on the ballot on, uh, uh, in six days. So, yeah. so, so, you know, that, 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 that just by the numbers, we've, we've come so far in, in, in the 1980s, it was 3,600,000 to zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan, 3 million. Cannabis movement. Two. <laughs> Plant still winning. <laughs> yeah. But, it, 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 you know, it, so now it's totally different, right? So it's tremendous momentum we have despite the pain we're all in, despite this moment being so hard. Um, when we look outside the United States and Canada, um, even in Mexico, where they're talking about some effed up things, you know, they're going to repeat some of the same mistakes we've made. But 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 eventually, you know, uh, I think we're the activism to this inclusiveness that we're talking about, this ecosystem, this balance that we're talking about in the industry. I'm, I'm a lot of momentum. That whole argument's gaining momentum. More and more people talking about building these bridges between stoners and suits and not just that, just like I'm trying to build bridges between legacy people and bl black and brown people. I want I want legacy growers to supply uh, equity yeah. traders um, right. because legacy people generally I've been a trader, not a grower. But most most legacy people are, are growers. And a lot of the um, equity folks, black and brown folks, inner city folks are, are traders. Right. But by traders, you mean dealers, brokers. Yeah. Yeah. Brokers, traders, retail. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it means storefront. Um, I call it the trade. Um, 
Um, um, are you doing that through your website, or how how are you, how how can people reach out to you and be like, hey, I want to get involved in the industry. How can I talk to you? Yeah, Andrew? no, AndrewDiangelo.com. That's my consulting okay. strategic advisor website. Uh, and um, and like I said, if anybody out there, particularly the small underdogs, reach out. Um, I do a lot of pro bono work for folks. Um, LastPrisonerProject.org is the other website I'd, I'd appreciate people spending a little time on. Uh, we just, uh, you know, we, we're, we're constantly have prisoners and constituents up there. Folks can support in lots of different ways. Both companies and individual cannabis companies and individuals can plug in. And I'm proud to say we've got all kinds of exciting things um, happening on uh, right now. Last Prisoner Project has blown up the last six months. I'm really proud of our community and our industry is stepping up. And it's not just us. There are a whole bunch of other groups, Cage Free Cannabis and all kinds of, of wonderful groups, um, uh, the Veterans Alliance. There's a whole bunch of, of groups doing trying to get veterans out of, of, of jail. We, we just got someone paroled um, out of Louisiana. Oh, we, yeah. Sean Mosley. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, my local uh, pot shop, uh, The Reef, uh, they give 5% of their donations to the Last Prisoner Project. So I just donated like 5% of 70 bucks to you guys yesterday. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah, that, that's roll it up to Freedom Program. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But like, don't worry about it, Miggy. I mean, like, uh, you've been uh, you've been helping me market my law firm for like two years. I made sure to to donate like $1,000 last week or so to, to Last Prisoner Project because oh, now I can make that as an expense. Well, okay. yeah, right next shit off. I don't want to pay yeah. taxes on that. Yeah, we are a five hundred one c three, and we're going to launch a four soon, so we can do a little bit more on the advocacy, public policy uh, side. Nice. As you know, you need the four for that. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, I'm just really excited about you know. The, the, I love being an advisor because I can build the whole industry, not just one company, like I did with Harborside. And I love working on social justice because it. It, it getting people what feels better than getting cannabis people sprung from jail and helping their families and themselves reintegrate to society it's it's a, yeah. and and you know that so much of what we do is controversial so much of what we do is hard there lots of times we have conflicting stakeholders and our businesses are and it's so hard to just work everything out and what's nice about nonprofit work especially something like getting people out of prison is just, it's, it's basically uncontroversial. What, what is someone going to say? Andrew F you, man, you know, I can't smoke the pot. You. He should yeah. sit in jail and serve his time. For yeah, you know, whereas a lot of other things I've done in my yeah. life, people are like, uh, let's get the circle or SWAT firing squad out. And, um, let's, let's take aim. And so, um, and whether that be in Sacramento or yeah. whether that be, um, in, in, in just trying to build these bridges, man. Um, sometimes you have to disagree. We always do that agreeably, uh, and, and with love and, and that hippie ethos. And but you know, take little steps to to building that bridge together. We we have a more obligation, and and it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun to build this balanced ecosystem than some like rich, greedy white guy, privileged, dirty it all. Doesn't even use the product. Looks at people yeah. like they're addicts, and he's just there to suck out value. Yeah. <laughs> 
Andrew, okay. thanks again for joining us today. Once again, where can we find you, follow you, uh, read what you got going on? Yeah, okay. I'm easy to find. AndrewDeAngelo.com, LastPrisonerProject.org. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on IG. Uh, um, so please reach out. I'm the easiest guy in the world to find. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks Wait. for tuning in. Everyone, make sure you like, subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Sunday. Thanks, you. Thanks, you guys.